We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To a Wednesday morning edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast, Nick Whalen, Brandon Kravitz here with you as we are every Wednesday. Uh, Brandon, we had the the Rotowire holiday party last night out in in Madison, Wisconsin. Good times there. Uh, unfortunately, you did not make the flight up on a on a Tuesday evening uh, from from no. the Orlando area, but good time there. Good to see a lot of the guys. Uh, it was at a it was at like one of those golf simulator type of bars. Uh, it's called Seven nice. Iron Social. I don't, I don't know if that's a chain or not. It Never was my heard first of it. time there, as you know. Love golf. Love golf simulators. Did not take a single swing the whole time, but it was kind of cool because they had other stuff. You could do like a like a home run derby. They have some sort of soccer, hockey, football. Like uh, it was not just limited to golf. So fun time there. Um, the apologies that we're starting like two minutes late. I would blame the holiday party. That's actually not what happened. I was caught up watching a Santana Moss highlight tape on Twitter and then realized that it was already 931. <laughs> you, you and Tyree Kill, I guess, all caught up. Everything's, and, and there goes his microphone. Everything's coming up Santana Moss. It, it, this is one of those weird phenomenons. I haven't thought of Santana Moss in Dude, months, I years. I'm not Moss. sure where, where I'm at with uh, my Santana mm-hmm. Moss inventory. But yesterday I saw the list of Tyree Kill's top receivers yeah. all time and Santana Moss made the cut. Not surprising. They're kind of cut from the same cloth, but right now here he is popping up yet again in a conversation today. Yeah. If you had Santana Moss being mentioned in the first two minutes of a fantasy basketball podcast today, uh, good for you. you. You've already hit your first bet of the day. Uh, I was a huge Santana Moss guy. You know, it felt like he was like, you, you never knew which, if, if he was going to be on the then Redskins or the Jets any year, it, it felt like he was just bouncing between those two teams at all time. Uh, ironically, same with Lavernius Coles, uh, another all-timer mm, from the, the mid-2000s. But, oh, yeah, both of those guys were just stalwarts on Madden. You know, they, they weren't 98 overalls. They were like 87 overalls, but they were they were fantastic. Nevertheless, uh, we will talk some basketball here. We had two games in the in-season tournament quarterfinals last night. We'll talk about both of those. We got a huge uh, 11-game Wednesday night slate now coming at us. Uh, and, of course, the semifinals on Thursday. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about the – 2023 draft Brandon and you know we're not going to do a full redraft we're not going to go 60 picks deep you know like hey where does uh you know where's Mojave King the 47th overall pick where does he go in a redraft but I at least want to talk about the the top five to ten and say you know we got 
20 games under our belt now, you know, would teams do anything differently if we redrafted that? But let's start with start with the games last night. Uh, we will, of course, get to live listener questions later in the show as well. I thought New York, you know, I, I thought the Knicks would hang around a little bit better than they did with Milwaukee. And this was this was a closer game than the final score would indicate. But once things unraveled for the Knicks, I mean, this, this turned into a laugher. I mean, 146 points allowed, by far the highest total of the year by the Knicks. Yeah, this Knicks team is befuddling because they're top 10 defensive team in the NBA, but yet they've had numerous games this year where they've they've just been a complete sieve defensively. And and last night was a good example of that. It's hard to stop Milwaukee when they're shooting 60% from three-point range. And it just seemed like one of those games where, I mean, the Knicks didn't play their game. That's definitely the case. They, it, they were never even close to slowing down Milwaukee. Giannis was patient. He wasn't forcing it. A very smooth 35 points for him last night. It just seems like this Milwaukee team starting to settle into themselves. I was on the Knicks plus five and a half last night, so that one definitely hurt uh, uh, watching that one unfold because you, you did get the impression late in the game that Milwaukee just wasn't going away. and um, it, it, it was good to see. I mean, long term, I have a lot of faith that this Milwaukee team can go deep in the in the playoffs. I, I had them in the finals once they added Damian Lillard, and last night was one of the first real indications I saw that they might be able to follow suit with those bold predictions. Yeah, we're down to Milwaukee and Indiana now in the Eastern Conference. I mean, one of those teams will be representing the East in the in-season finals. And I think if you're Milwaukee, you're okay playing Boston in a rematch, but you're, you're happy to face Indiana as well. And that game, I mean, if the Bucs are putting up 146 and so they're still not playing great defense, I mean, this is a game that that could easily be played in the 140s or, or even higher uh, with the pace that, that Indiana brings. The total yeah, right about that the, one's already up to 250, by the way. 252, I believe. Oh, yeah. goodness. Good. Yeah. So that would be, I think, tied for the highest total of the year. I, I know we had that uh, that Hawks Pacers game a few weeks ago. I'm not sure where that closed, but I know it opened around 252. Yeah, that makes sense, man. Uh, you know, I'm actually seeing it at 254 and a half at DraftKings. So it keeps going. Uh, so it, so yeah, so it opened at 252 and it's on the rise, and for good reason. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't hop on that. Now, by the way, it's not going to get any higher. That's got to be the peak of the market. I think it 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 probably drops. It yeah. opened like 247. And already got steamed to 252 when I checked, and now you're looking at 254. Um, yeah, I mean, th- those teams are going to score like crazy, but at some point, we've at some at some point, the points bubble will burst. Yes, it's a uh, it's a losing market, I think, in the long term. But when the Pacers are involved, you never know. Right. Uh, yeah, the three point shooting for Milwaukee, I was we're talking about it, you know, with some guys watching last night, and it's it's so simple, uh, and it applies to basically every team in the league, but. Look, if you're getting six threes out of Malik Beasley and you're getting five more out of campaign and, and AJ Green and Marion Bochamp is getting into the mix, like that that solves a lot of things for Milwaukee. Uh, you know, that doesn't just, you know, snap your fingers and all of a sudden you're the best team in the Eastern Conference. But, you know, for an offense that has looked a little bit clunky, it hasn't been the main issue for Milwaukee by any means. But, you know, there's been a kind of a lot of my turn, your turn. Why are we not seeing more pick and rolls between Damon and Giannis? Um, you know, when, when you got your role players knocking down open threes, it's going to make your offense, you know, look so much better on any given night. Yeah, and it was just coming so much easier for Milwaukee. It felt like every time New York was in transition, it just was, it was a, it was a slog for them, and and, and sort of one of those where everything just looked like it was more difficult for the Knicks. Um, and what about Julius Randle? Oh, he goes off for forty-one. We've seen this guy score under ten points multiple times in the last couple of weeks. I cannot get a hold on what Julius Randle is. 
this season. Um, I'm sure I would think that we'll get questions about him today on the on the live chat. But yeah, you're right. It, it, it does come down to those role players, role players at home knocking down threes. Uh, once that starts to happen for any team in the NBA, they're really tough to beat. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Randall. Very weird player, very weird career. Uh, you know, I, I I love that his nickname on basketball reference is Beyblade. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. He, he plays exactly like a Beyblade would. Uh, just kind of, you know, always spinning his way into the lane with the elbows out. Two-time All-NBA, two-time All-Star. He's got the Most Improved Player Award as well. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to be a, a really interesting case as far as, like, how do we remember Julius Randle? We can talk about it fantasy-wise, uh, of course, as well, but... Um, you know, there's like the variance in terms of just efficiency year to year, you know, it'll shoot 52% one year and then 45 the next, and then 41, then back up to 46, you know, this year, three point shooting has been a disaster again. Um, like I, obviously he's not on a, like a, a hall of fame trajectory and yet, you know, this, this will likely be the fifth time in the last six years that he's averaged 20 plus and, and almost averaging a double double yeah. in that span. Like to me, is he, is he kind of like the new DeMarcus cousins? Like, I, I feel like Pete cousins was maybe a little better. Yeah, because I, I think Cousins would sort of give you that well-rounded fantasy performance more so than what you're getting from Julius Randle. And I, I misspoke. It was this, I was thinking back to that six-point outing back in early November against the Cleveland Cavaliers. That one still sticks out like a sore thumb for me. But, I mean, nothing close to 41 uh, as of late. And, and you just can't rely on that as the general point. But he's not giving you anything in the blocks or steals department uh, night, in, night in and night out. Uh, rebounding is there. Assists are all right. Um, yeah, he's just one of those guys that it, it's, he's hard to rely on to be any sort of consistent producer for your fantasy team, but he's also hard to get rid of because of yeah. what he can do last night. I mean, he's, he's fantastic in points leagues, right? I mean, yeah. if, if you're not really worried about the efficiency and if you're, especially if you're playing in, in a league that doesn't value turnovers, not, there's a lot to like about Julius Randle, but I think he's always going to be on that line of, you know, how effective is he in real life versus some of the raw numbers that he puts up, you know, 41, six and five, but you lose the game by 24 points. Certainly he was not the reason. I mean, he was efficient last night, 14 of 19 from the field, 11 of 12 at the line. I thought Milwaukee did a pretty good job limiting Jalen Brunson. I mean, part of it was Brunson just wasn't hitting his threes. You know, he was 10 of 22, five of those misses uh, were, were three pointers, 0 of five from beyond the arc. He didn't have a great night at the line as well. Uh, it was really, it really kind of felt like Randall and, and RJ Barrett were the only guys who were consistently able to beat this Milwaukee team. I mean, Mitchell Robinson was completely shut down. Uh, you know, Quentin Grimes took one shot in 18 minutes, and you, know, you got that the, the Hart, Quickly, DiVincenzo trio off the bench. Those guys were fine, but uh, they were outplayed, frankly, by the Milwaukee bench. Yeah, and I, one of the reasons I liked New York going into this matchup, not only were they more a uh, more cohesive unit coming in, to a game like this and for whatever reason I felt like that mattered going into an in-season tournament mm -hmm. game even though in some ways it's still just a regular season game so I've got to figure out a way to, to parse that properly if, uh, as far as how I value these games in the tournament but I liked their size going up against Milwaukee's size and I think some of that played itself out but what didn't play itself out was that the guard play for New York was downright atrocious and you saw every guard on Milwaukee's team fill up the stat sheet so that that seemed to be the difference there it was just one of those games where Milwaukee was going to beat whoever they played last night they yep. were they were too locked in offensively and once they got that crowd behind them they were impossible to stop you know that, that's just Adrian Griffin a veteran head coach 
uh, who, who no one has questioned this entire season. That's what he does. He gets I'm his sure. ready in these situations. Yeah. Is that how uh, it's going up Bucks there? And Pacers in the Eastern Conference side of the bracket. Yeah. It's been nothing but positivity uh, when it comes to, to Adrian Griffin. I can tell you that. Uh, Milwaukee, four and a half point favorites over the Pacers in the semifinal tomorrow. Uh, like you said, total up to 254 and a half. The Pelicans and the Lakers are the other side of the bracket, Brandon. Uh, Pelicans, two-point dogs against the Lakers. Keep in mind that these games are neutral site. So there's not it's, there, there's not going to be a true home court advantage for either Milwaukee or L.A., despite them being technically the higher seed. What kind of environment are you expecting in Vegas? Yeah, Alex and I talked about this on Monday, and we couldn't we couldn't quite settle on like you know what what is this going to look like? I I think it's an advantage for for the Lakers because I think you have a bunch of Lakers fans, a lot of LA transplants in Vegas. You got some people that are willing to make the trip from LA. I don't know if you can say the same thing about New Orleans. I I think this will have a it'll be a mix of like a Final Four and like summer league where I, I'm not expecting this to be like an overwhelmingly intense crowd. Yeah, I would say summer league on steroids might be the best way to put it. You also have a lot of people in the stands that they'll just be cheering on whichever team they placed a bet on that night. Um, so you could factor that in. Um, the Lakers, I'm wondering if this plays a role at all in terms of neutral site, um, an unknown sort of environment. The fact that the biggest stars on that team played and excelled in the bubble in 2020 uh, not that this, I mean, these are real fans that are going to be in attendance, but mm -hmm. it is sort of an odd NBA environment and they know what that feels like and, and how to mitigate those distractions if there are any. And New Orleans might not have that same uh, advantage or they definitely don't. I just, I don't know if how much that's mm -hmm. going to come into play. I like the way that this Pelicans team is playing right now, though. And the Lakers got bailed out last night. So my first inclination is to take New Orleans. I like how... They're yeah. so fully stocked. We're seeing guys that we talked about on this podcast week in and week out, not even getting minutes. I've spent precious fab dollars on Dyson Daniels. He's nowhere to be found. So, um, yeah. Well, I, you know, the Daniels thing, we, we could talk about that, you know, when we start doing Q and a later in the show, um, you know, they, they have too many guys and that's a, it's actually a good thing, right? Like I, I think we talked about New Orleans last season as man, this might be the deepest team in the NBA. They might not have the top end talent, you know, to compare to a team, like the Lakers or, or the Suns, for example, when they're healthy. But, I mean, there are very few teams that go as deep as they do. Uh, you know, like you said, Dyson Daniels is getting 12 to 15 minutes, at least, for most teams in the NBA. Um, you know, even someone like Jose Alvarado is, is kind of a marginal player for them now. I think he'd be, a, be viewed at a as a pretty good backup point guard for a lot of teams. Uh, you know, New Orleans obviously got the win uh, the other night against Sacramento. I, I think we have a really fun Final Four here. It's a good mix of, like, two powerhouses in the Lakers and the Bucks. And, you know, two teams that almost feel a little mid-majory, you know, if you want to compare this yeah. to uh, to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, it's hard to say the team with, you know, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum are these plucky underdogs. They're not George Mason by any means. But it's a – the Pelicans and the Pacers specifically, like, these are the type of teams when we talked about the in-season tournament months ago when you're like, all right, let's try to pinpoint, like, what team would take this seriously? They have young guys. They haven't really won anything. And I think those two teams fit that bill perfectly. Absolutely. And that's why I've still got a I've got a futures ticket that I'm sitting on for the Indiana Pacers to win this thing. And I'm Ooh. just so close. What did uh, you get it at? I got it at I think it was twenty five to one when when I this was they had um, 
I think it was after two of their group play games. So it wasn't at the very beginning of the tournament, but it was once I realized they just seemed like they were a different sort of locked in for this thing. And Tyrese Halliburton's playing some incredible basketball. I don't need to tell you that. Um, yeah, I just felt like they were, it was going to be one of those types of teams, the teams that were good enough to win, but also young enough to not realize that it doesn't actually matter. And the Pacers fit that bill as well as anybody. Mm-hmm. So it was the Pacers and my Orlando Magic, but that was more of a homer play. Um, and um, they should have advanced, but unfortunately, point differential got the best of them. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually surprised that you see teams like Milwaukee and, and the LA Lakers and and those teams advancing uh, the way that they have. And these these guys have cared a lot more than we thought they would. I thought Kevin Durant looked heartbroken that he wasn't able to move on and go to Vegas. Jason Tatum, same thing. I did not think that we would see that from the league's top stars. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jalen Brown, maybe not so much. Uh, he seemed to uh, recover from that loss pretty quickly, and that's about what you'd expect. But we've heard we've heard player after player over the last couple of weeks. You know, it's one thing to, to go as far as Halliburton did and be like, "I'm a loser, man. I've never won anything. I would I want to win this thing." Right. Uh, but we've seen you know Damian Lillard, Zion, like guys are talking about, yeah, five hundred thousand dollars. Like I realize, yeah, I make fifty million dollars. It's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal to a lot of people on the team. You know, your nine, ten, eleven, twelve guys who aren't making that much money. I mean, that's basically what half of their, their salary for the season. If you're on a minimum, um, you know, guys who I think it was Zion said, it's like, yeah, it's something that you could just kind of give to your family, which great. If you have the ability to do that, that's fantastic. Awesome. That means you're doing pretty well. If you can hand your family 500 K, but um, I was skeptical that the money would matter. And it, it feels like it does, you know, I guess maybe 
maybe we're, we're just thinking of these guys as being so wealthy that $500,000 is a drop in the bucket. But the way they've, ta- they've talked about it, I think, I think the money is enough of a motivator. I still would like to see something a little bit more, I wouldn't say tangible. I guess I would, it would be more intangible, like a little, something that relates to the season a bit more to be on the line, because I just wonder, you know, long-term viability is, is the money thing going to be sustainable? I think what's sustainable is that these players have cared. And, yeah. and so whoever wins is going to feel an enormous sense of pride um, that they get to carry with them through the remainder of the season. It's clearly hurt those that have been knocked out of this tournament. Um, I can tell you on a local level, I mean, the Magic players were heartbroken that they weren't able to move on. And like I said, we've seen even some of the stars that should know better than to care about this, and they've still been bothered by it. I think that that is the uh, the tangible or intangible that moves forward into next year. That it, it, I think when it started, would you agree that it felt like some of the guys, the biggest stars in the league, were going to act like they were a little too cool for this, and that was going to be the problem? And that hasn't been the case. So by yeah. next year, everyone will be, you know, it, it won't be uh, nerdy to care about the in-season mm-hmm. tournament, even though, I, I don't know, yeah. I think that might have just been a made-up media narrative that never really mm-hmm. was going to exist in the first place. I think so. And I think my fear at first was that the players were just going to be, you know, taking the company line and being like, yes, I love the in-season tournament. But I, I actually think it's genuine, you know, hearing these guys talk about it. Like, I don't, I don't, I think the league has encouraged, especially players like LeBron, you know, to, to, to try to sell the other players on it. Because if LeBron cares, then other guys are going to care. Exactly. But I, I, I don't think it's just him doing PR for the league. Like, I, I, think he, I think he genuinely cares, and I think a lot of these guys do. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, we, like, I'm trying to think of an example of something that's been implemented like this, like in my conscious sports fan lifetime. Like, it is, it is weird to be in year one of this. Everything else has just been going on forever. You know, like the, the NCAA tournament right. has been happening forever. Like, I guess the college football playoff maybe would be the the best comparison. Yeah, it's only and, been around since 2014, so right. we had to wrap our heads around that. Yeah, and you know it's not the perfect system by any means. I think this is a much better system in terms of fairness, and you know there's reasons for that, smaller league, all that. Um, but you know it, it's one of those things that I think seems shocking at first. If you don't like it, you know you, you're probably thinking, "Oh man, this, this is going to ruin the league." And then you're probably you know two or three years from now, it's just going to be part of your life, and and that's that. And you you continue to you build history, right? Like the, the first one, there's nothing to compare it to. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's special in some ways, you know, like, especially for someone like LeBron who cares about the list of accolades. It's like, you know, won the first ever in-season tournament, you know, won the championship in the bubble. Those are unique achievements. Um, but I, I think this is something that as it continues to build and time goes on, it's going to get bigger and bigger and, and players, players are going to care. You know, it's like if the Lakers win it, can they repeat next year? Like it's, it's just kind of another, yeah. another thing to add to a resume. And look, they're going to play these games anyway. I think that that's a big factor in all of this, too. Yes. It's not like these are additional. There's only one additional game, and that's only if you make it to the championship of this thing. And by that point, obviously, you're completely invested in winning that one extra game. But I think we all sort of started to view it in a similar way to the way we react to the NFL's Pro Bowl, where it's like, come on, do I really want to be a part of this? Yeah. Well, if the Pro Bowl was something that you are already doing in the middle of the season anyway, then yeah, you'd care more about it. But because it's this ancillary, I've got to then put in extra effort to go and do this at the end of the season when the grind is over, uh, it's easier to just kind of scoff at it and say, yeah, you go do that. I'm, I'm not interested. These guys were already going to play. They were already going to be motivated for these games. This just gives them a little added, a little extra seasoning in the uh, in the meal. I like it. 
I like it. Uh, Let's talk a little 2023 NBA draft. After that, we will get to the live listener questions. So keep keep throwing uh, those in the chat there. We will get to them. Um, We'll we'll just kind of go chronologically through that list in about five or ten minutes. Uh, But we we are at the quarter point in the season, Brandon. I like to do this at least two or three times per year just to check up on the NBA draft. We're not writing anybody off. We're not saying anybody's going to be a future Hall of Famer, except maybe Webinyama. Uh, who, by the way, is no longer the favorite for Rookie of the Year. I, I noticed yesterday while perusing the DraftKings Sportsbook, Chet Holmgren has overtaken him. Uh, but we're not talking Chet Holmgren because he is not a part of the 2023 NBA draft. So I, I want to just go pick by pick, and we can kind of debate, all right, if, if this team had to redo that pick, who would they take? Is there anything we have to say about number one? I, I think it goes without saying that Webinyama still goes there. Yeah, no doubt. And we've still seen enough of his freakish talents on display uh, it hasn't put it all together yet, but we've seen enough to where you, there, there's still no chance in hell you'd no. ever pass on that. So, yeah, that's that's a no-brainer. Even if Holmgren was a part of this class, no team would take Holmgren over him. And you could argue that Holmgren's been like better on balance so far. There's not a single team that would take Holmgren over Weminyama in a draft type of setting. I don't think so. No. I still think he he just projects to be the type of player that we've really never seen before. And I, I don't say that lightly because we've seen some incredible talents roll through the league. But he is he is something in and of himself, uh, the way that he can uh, the way he maneuvers the court, plays defense, handles the basketball at his size. And let's be honest, the marketing appeal of it, too. That's not the reason you take a guy, but yeah. all of the media attention that they've had. I just watched a special last night on, on NBA TV uh, just detailing his his ride from the draft through media day. And I mean, the, the amount of coverage this, this guy was getting yeah. before he ever played a real NBA game. Like, you can't put a price on that. It's mm-hmm. just not the kind of thing you ever pass up. Yeah. It kind of reminds me right now of LeBron versus Melo in their rookie seasons where like you could argue Melo had the better year, like Melo for the first half of the season, at least looked like the better player. And at the end, like you could have, I think you could have pulled every executive in the league and said, all right, well, hey, would you take Melo over LeBron? Not a single one would have done it, right? And I actually think Rookie of the Year might play out similarly because I think Melo deserved it more than LeBron did back then. Even though LeBron was a better player, I think Melo had the better rookie year. They gave the they gave the Rookie of the Year to LeBron, and I think they're going to do it to Webinyama as well. Like, I think I think Chet has to like dramatically outplay him because of, of like the incumbent status for Webinyama. Well, and right now he is. So if he keeps this up, I think it is Chet Holmgren's yeah, award, even though – Philosophically, I I just I disagree with him being able to win it. You've spent a year in an NBA system. To me, that's not yeah. a rookie, but I understand that that's the rule. Are you saying we should strip Blake Griffin of his rookie of the year? I am saying that. That's not a rookie. You spent a year in an NBA system, nutrition, uh, workout, yeah. uh, playing with uh, uh, teammates in practice, coaches, um, refining your game. That's not a rookie. All right, fine. I, this is all just like at. a you know disinformation campaign, so you can get Jet Howard or or Anthony Black the award. <laughs> yeah, but Jet Howard has to play a minute of NBA basketball first. Uh, yeah, I don't think we would. Uh, I don't think we'll be talking a ton about Jet Howard, but it it gets interesting now if you're if you're going pick number two. So we're assuming San Antonio will still take Webinyama. We'll take a bit of a, a leap of faith there. Yeah, Charlotte, do they still take Brandon Miller? I think they do. Um, we haven't seen a ton, but I think we've seen enough. He looks really comfortable out there on an NBA floor. He's such a natural scorer. 
another guy that you, you just can't teach that sort of length and mobility. And and it's uh, I think it's what they need. Uh, they need somebody else where they're not just relying solely on LaMelo Ball, not just when LaMelo's on the floor, but also because he's rarely on the floor these days. And And the guys that are right after him, do I feel good enough about them where I would I'd be willing to, to to miss on Brandon Miller. I think I'm still there. Where do you fall on that? I I expected there to be a bit of more debate, but I, I think it's pretty clearly Brandon Miller to me right now. Uh, you know, two or three weeks ago, I think there was a pretty strong case for Asar Thompson. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's not that he's become a worse player in that time, but, you know, the minutes are down. Like Detroit's just kind of using him weirdly. And there are still some pretty significant concerns, I think, with Asar in terms of, you know, what the offense is going to look like. The shot needs to be pretty much completely rebuilt. You know, the confidence in that shot is is a question mark. So I, I think Asar Thompson, long-term, you know, defensively and, and what he could be, like there is a debate there. I, I think there are there maybe are some teams that would take him over Brandon Miller, but it, it's kind of, you know, Brandon Miller, where he's at offensively versus where Asar Thompson is defensively. You might say it's comparable, but I, I, I want Brandon Miller. You know, they're, they're both young. I think Miller profiles as somebody who should be at least a decent defender, uh, but he's shooting 46% from the field, 38% from three, 80% at the line, 14, four and two for a guy who plays on a bad team that you know, has some, some guys who probably don't integrate him the way that they should. I think it's been relative to what I expected, you know, almost the best case start for Brandon Miller, because I, I was, I was iffy on how this was going to work on, on that Charlotte roster. Yeah. And a part of that is that they've needed him to step up quickly. Miles Bridges missed time at the start of the season. LaMelo's missed time now uh, as of the last couple of weeks. So he's been thrust into a role that maybe he shouldn't have been this early on. But like I said, he looks comfortable in it. So uh, I I feel pretty solidified in the in the top two. It's after that where things are going to get dicey for me. Okay. All right. Well, I'll leave it up to you. You're the Portland Trailblazers GM, Brandon. Who are you taking at number three? Uh man. Uh, I still think I'm going to go with Scoot Henderson. I th- this is tough. I am not willing to write him off yet. Um it's a little bit chalky to just go with the draft pick that actually occurred right in front of your face, but uh, we're only a quarter of the way through the season and I loved his prospects coming into the NBA, his explosiveness uh, he just looks a little bit disjointed, out of place. I don't think that he's found his role on this team, uh, but I- I'm sure that Chauncey Billups will get him there eventually. I'm just going to go talk about a leap of faith. I haven't seen it yet, but I still think Scoot Henderson should be number three. I'm not blown away by a lot of the guys that are drafted there in the top ten thus far, so it's a little easy to just say yeah. based on – even though I haven't seen it yet, I'm I'm still willing to go that route. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and it's a good point about the class overall that like usually by now, you know, there might, there's somebody that emerges, you know, whether it's outside of the top five or even later in the first round where you're, you're like, oh man, this was an immediate mistake. You know, you think of like Donovan Mitchell back in the day, like you knew like three games in, like this guy should not have gone outside the top 10. Like he's right. clearly a top three player in this class. And you know, I, I think, you know, Franz Wagner a couple of years ago, it was pretty clear early on with him. Shangun went 16. You know, when he started playing real minutes, I think we realized pretty quickly what some teams had missed out on. But I don't know who that guy is in this class. You know, is it, I guess, maybe Derek Lively at 12? I would. Uh, yeah, I was looking at Lively. I would definitely, I'm definitely going to end up, I would end up pushing him up quite a bit. 
But I'm, but I'm not to the point where I'm saying, well, forget Scoot Henderson and everything that I thought before the season. Uh, I'm, I'm just not willing to go there right now. We're 20 games into the NBA season. It would be so hasty to just say, yeah, forget everything you thought you knew. Scoot Henderson stinks. I'm not, I'm, I'm not willing to go there yet. You've pointed it out on this podcast numerous times. It's hard for guards to pop off early on in their NBA careers. It's a lot to ask of these guys. And he dealt with health issues early on yeah. as well. So I'm, I'd be much more willing to make a, a bold claim about how wrong the Trailblazers were at three by the time we get to the 75% mark of the season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, there's a long track record of players who've turned into very good guards in the NBA, you know, struggling early on, especially with efficiency. I, I'm just surprised the degree to which Scoot looks kind of overmatched. Uh, you know, for somebody who's pretty built for his his size, uh, pretty athletic. You know, he's not he's not five eleven. Uh, he just he just doesn't really look like he has an athletic advantage out there right now. And I, I thought that would be something that'd be a big positive for his profile. With all that said, I think there's still a pretty strong case to keep him. At number three, I certainly wouldn't move him up, but I don't know if anybody has like snatched that spot away from him, right? And and that yeah. says a lot because it's like Scoot's played pretty badly. Like he's been a pretty big disappointment <laughs> so far, and there's still nobody where you're like, yeah, I think I would for sure have that guy. I, you know, this is it's also the- team specific, Nick, because let's not forget what the Portland Trailblazers did. They moved off of their star guard. They kind of had to bring in a new point guard to usher in that new era and make it seem as as clean and seamless as possible. So I'll go back to the same thing I said about Wembenyama marketing. That's not the reason you make those picks, but when you're trying to put the icing on the cake, that is one of those things that makes you feel better about it. Scoot Henderson as the direct replacement for Damian Lillard, even though you knew it was going to take time, I think is part of the evaluation of that draft pick. I'll say this. I'll be pretty surprised if at the end of the year, we're still in full on panic mode about Henderson. I don't, I don't think it's going to look this bad the whole year. I think there's a pretty good chance that come March, April, we'll look back and, and kind of laugh at how, how poorly he played early on. I'm not saying he's going to be on a superstar trajectory by the end of the year, but I think we'll feel a lot better about him. So, yeah, I would still I would still stick with Scoot at three. I think there's a pretty strong case for Asar Thompson there. But uh, if you're factoring in team and we're saying it is the Trailblazers, then I think they still go Henderson as well. Uh, can we pretty confidently say we flip a man in the SAR? And it's no not really doubt. anything that a man has done. He just, he's barely played. Well, it's yeah, it's uh, it's not a knock against Amen. It's um, it's a credit to Asar. I, I already felt like going in, they were pretty close. Obviously, the NBA felt the same way. They were drafted back to back, and we've already seen that Asar Thompson is a really good NBA player. He's the only guy that I was looking at where I would be able to confidently say, okay, maybe the Blazers should have gone in that direction, but they still think there's enough upside with Scoot Henderson. No doubt in my mind, especially with what Ime Udoka wants to do defensively, and he has turned this team around. Asar Thompson would fit them perfectly. So that that feels like a very real swing and a miss as of right now, um, not knowing what Amen Thompson's going to turn into. Yeah, I still think, you know, with the men, it's just such an incomplete grade. The guy's played four games. He's played 67 total minutes, and it, it's going to be tough because Houston's playing pretty well. They have depth. You know, I don't know that they're going to be, you know, looking to get him out there for 30 minutes a night like Detroit was with Asar for a while there. So I, I think for now, you know, you have to lean Asar Thompson. But genetically, Brandon, uh, a men should be able to do a lot of what Asar does. So I, I'm not think. out on that one either. Um, you know, I, I think – so we're going Webinyama, Miller, Henderson, Asar Thompson – is are we giving a man the benefit of the doubt? Is he still at five or is that where Derek Lively slides up? 
do they need a Derek Lively when they have G uh when they have Duran? I, I this is where it's tough to place uh, men because we haven't seen it. I think this is I think this would be where the Pistons are so directionless. They just need the best player that they could possibly get their hands on. Derek Lively has already looked like a legit NBA uh, talent. So yeah, I, I'll be, I, I will confidently put Derek Lively, I'm going to slide him up to the five spot where the Detroit Pistons end up with, with Lively. And that gives the Pistons a seventh center uh, on this roster. So <laughs> exactly. they, they a little bit of a glut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't seem to care. Uh, why not throw another one in the mix? You know, with, with Lively, it's it's tough because you, you do wonder what the ceiling is. And most of the time, if you're if you're taking a, a pick in the top five, you're not saying, I hope we get a good role player center, you know, for the next 10 years. But I think that's exactly what he's going to be. And, you know, there's a lot of classes where you redraft and say, all right, you know, who are actually the most, you know, the five to seven most valuable players in the draft? You're, you're not going to get five, like, perennial all-stars in any class. You're going to get guys who are, are impacting the game in other ways. And, you know, there's a lot of players that, that went in the top 10 who have really not done anything yet. You know, Anthony Black, Jarris Walker, Taylor Hendricks has played two games. Jed Howard, like we like we talked about, um, he's played five games. So, like, Lively pretty easily passes just about everybody who went ahead of him in the middle of the first round. It's just a question of, you know, do you take him over either of the Thompsons or, or over Scoot? Yeah, and um, now we're on to, uh, to my squad, the Orlando Magic, and... I struggle with this one because Anthony Black is a pretty perfect direct replacement for Markel Fultz, and he fits in perfectly personality-wise with this basketball team. Uh, he is exactly the type of character player that you'd need for what this Magic team is trying to assemble. So there are aspects of Anthony Black that absolutely work for this team, but we just haven't seen him really do anything yet. I think I would take a swing here because the Magic still struggle offensively. That is their biggest bugaboo. Keontae George mm. has shown that he is an excellent offensive talent already in the NBA. I think if I were redrafting today, if I'm if I'm really trying to rework and remaster this thing, I think I would take Keontae George in that sixth spot. I think there's a case for it. I I wonder how much he would be playing in like almost any other system, right? Because Utah, you know, just doesn't have a lot of guards. They're they're kind of just winging it this year. Uh, I, I I certainly like what I've seen on the good nights. The bad nights have still been, you know, wanting uh, in some ways. But you know, the scoring has been there of late. The assists have been pretty consistent. He went through a stretch where he was getting a bunch of steals. That's kind of cooled off of late. Uh, but you know, he's still still prone to some pretty down nights. Still prone to turnovers. Uh, shooting under 40% from the field and the three point shooting has not been good. And that's really dragging down his overall field goal percentage. But I think if you're, you know, if you're Orlando, a team that's always looking forward, you're not necessarily concerned with what a guy looks like this year. You know, it's more so, you know, what can he be two or three years from now? So is that, is that really where the thinking comes from? Well, and, and that's where I, and that's where the thinking came from with drafting Anthony black. Like the right. fact that he's starting for them right now, that's not what they drafted him to do. He just happens to be pretty poised and, and comfortable out there and isn't somebody that needs to be involved in order to uh, to feel like he has a purpose out on a basketball floor, so in that way, that's what I that's part of what I mean by he fits perfectly right now for what the makeup of this team is. But 
Uh, I, I guess I, I'm looking at it. That's the way that they, they look at it is they're looking at this long term because they're going to take the patient managerial approach. I'm looking at this more of a, a microwave situation where I want to see this team score the basketball better than they have been. And, mm-hmm. and I felt like there were so many opportunities in this draft for them to attack that at six at 11 and they, mm-hmm. and they haven't really solved those problems, but it also, you know, you'd have to move like Cole Anthony around and all of that. So it causes a ripple effect of issues. Yeah. They made the decision they made for a reason, but I think in hindsight, just this was a good year to attack the offensive issues. And I don't think they did that. I think there is a case for Jordan Hawkins there. I think, you know, you could maybe make an outside case for like Brandon Pajemski, but the other guy who we have not mentioned, and I, I think someone maybe even take him a spot higher. What are we doing with Jaime Hawkins? That was going to be the next guy on my list. Yeah. yeah. I, I, but Jaime is in such a perfect situation. Right. Am I, am I really that confident that if I just put him on any of these other rosters that he's going to thrive the way that he has? When he landed in Miami, I went, oh, my God, could this be any more perfect with the, the type of player that he is, the heat culture, and you know, he's getting an opportunity to shine early on. I think what we're seeing is very much heat dependent and not so much Jaime Jaquez dependent. So I... Mm-hmm. I maybe maybe if I was like Toronto because I haven't seen much from Grady Dick, like I'd I'd probably still push him up the draft board, but not much for I wouldn't push him into the top ten based on what I've seen. I think I would. I think he's got to go somewhere in the the mid to late top ten. Um, hmm. You know, it's like how how do you say you still take Taylor Hendricks over him? And you know, I I, I think you know Hendricks, Jarris Walker, who knows? You know, even Cool Bali, he's played minutes, but he, he's still so raw. Like any of those guys could turn out to be fine. But that's um, it. All those guys were drafted because they have like they have this freakish size and athleticism yeah. that you have to sort of grow into. Jaime Hawkins is, is who he is. That's why he's a perfect right. heat player. He is who he is, and I you know low ceiling compared to some of those other players. But I, I also you know I think we, if we look back in ten years, you know, like I just pulled up randomly the 2013 NBA draft sorted by win shares. Giannis number one, Gobert number two. Steven Adams, number three. And it's like, I, I think, I think Hawkins could be one of those guys who sneakily, you know, we, you never think of as a superstar by any means, but when you go back and, and some guys inevitably hit, some guys inevitably bust in, in, in a given draft class, I, I think he's going to end up ranking pretty high. Um, and, you know, we're 20 games in, so who knows? But I do, I do think, you know, there, there is some staying power here, even if a lot of it is him just being drafted into the perfect situation. All right, yeah. let's uh, let's hit some listener questions here. Uh, we got a read that we got to take care of first, uh, but after that, we will go through the list of listener questions. You guys could keep throwing those in there. We'll hit as many as we can, but we do want to remind you that we are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the number one platform for NBA best ball and DFS pickup contests. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new users get a first time deposit bonus up to hundred dollars and a free six month subscription to RotoWire. Just use the code RWMBA. That's RWMBA. Visit underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app and use that promo code RWNBA. That'll get you a free RotoWire subscription and that deposit bonus at Underdog. All right, let's see what we got here. Uh, Brandon, panic level on Kessler and Scoot, fittingly. Um, let's see. Do I want to go like 1 to 10? 10, 10 being I'm freaking out. One sure. being I'm cool as a cucumber. 
Um, I'm going to go with a, uh, I'm going to go with like a four for Walker Kessler. It's more of a jazz problem than it is a Kessler issue. In my opinion, this team is not advancing the way that I thought they would this season. Um, that I wasn't expecting anything drastic, but it actually seems like they're sliding in the other direction. And Walker Kessler just seems like he's caught up in that. You still get blocks from him. You know, he, he, he's still, he's still similar to the player that he was last year, but I think you invested in him to become a better player this season. Uh, for Scoot Henderson, I would probably be closer to the eight range just because it looks so clunky out there. Um, they think it's going to take so much time that by the time he becomes a fantasy reliable option, you will have well moved on from him. This is a Kyle Pitts NFL type situation <laughs> to, to me where it's like wow. the talent's right there. You, you want to hold on to it, but at what point are you going to feel comfortable with it? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, with Scoot for fantasy, I'm going to say like a seven. I I think you got to be realistic about what the ceiling is. You know, we made the Anthony Edwards comp uh, last week. Edwards had an awesome rookie year, barely finished in the top 100. So, yeah, you just got to be realistic about expectations. I think he'll be better. Uh, I, I'm not panicking that he's going down as like a total bust. I think I'd, he was such, such a strong prospect that I'd be pretty surprised if that's how this thing goes. Kessler, I'm at like a two. I, I actually think he's played pretty well. He's looked like he's looked way better since he came back from injury. Uh, you know, the, the shot blocking has come back over the last five. You know, once the minutes return, hopefully, I mean, it's weird that they're bringing him off the bench and all that. Like, I don't, I don't really know what the point of that is. Um, but I, I do think he's going to be just fine. I mean, last five games, 11 points, eight boards, three blocks, 60% from the field in 25 minutes. So if he gets to 28, 29, 30, he's going to be right where he was last season, if not better. Harden or Bain? rest of season in a points league hmm um i think i'm still gonna go desmond bain john moran should be back any minute now right this is 25 game suspension but i like the way that this team should be able to come back together and be an old version of themselves and desmond bain settling more into his role um as a heater from three and hmm. and there's a huge secondary option to what john Morant wants to bring to this team offensively James Harden is still just so tough to trust in this in this Clippers offense I don't think they've figured out exactly what they want to be yet and there's only mm -hmm. so many balls to go around I think I would give slight lean to Harden um in a points league with Bain it's like the three-point shooting becomes a little bit less valuable um and, and Harden is you know sneakily kind of getting back to doing what he's doing like the the counting stats aren't as overwhelming but like in category leagues he's borderline top 30 on the year now and it really hasn't felt that way but he's just he's always been even at his peak you could argue like a better fantasy player than a real life player as far as how he impacts the game so I, I think I would actually lean hard in there but it's really close I mean if you're if you got both those guys on your roster or you're, you're trying to like trade one of them I don't I don't think I really would I think they're both you know really good guys to hold yeah I mean hard in the last few games 21 21 points nine assists 18.7 assists 26.6 assists he had five steals three games ago so yeah, he's uh yeah, the last couple of games he's he's definitely turned it around. All right, we got another panic question. Hey guys, how high is the panic on uh, Emmanuel quickly? Did he finally get tibbed or is it just a rough start after his awesome 2022-23 season? Man, hard to figure out exactly what's going on with the Knicks. This team is so hot and cold. Um you never know what, quite what we're going to get from this team. 
last night, I think, was troubling for some of those role guys. Just 19 minutes played for him, one of seven shooting. If he's not making his shots and, and he's not helping this team improve on the defensive end, then, yeah, he's going to I get tipped. I like the way that they worded that. I, I think that there's a, there's a real chance that that's happening. There's a chance that it's happening, but there's also a good chance that I think he goes back to playing more minutes at some point, too. I mean, Tibbs kind of does tr- tend to trust his guys. And, you know, I guess what is the trade-off here? More DiVincenzo off the bench, you know, maybe even more Josh Hart. Uh, I, I I really like quickly. I, I have him at, on one of my most important teams. You know, got off to a really nice start. Uh, and, and, you know, even a week ago, he was still, you know, had 2018, 23 in consecutive games. So I'm not, I'm not in a full-on panic. The season-long numbers are, are pretty nice still. He is in a bit of a shooting slump. You know, it could – Tibbs has a short leash, right? It could just be something where he went 2 of 10 the other night. He was 1 of 7 yesterday. And it's like with Quickly, if he's not hitting shots, there's really not a, a huge purpose for him to be out there. Um, so they, they have had a shorter leash than you would like. But I – if we're going 1 to 10 on this one, I would I would say like a 4 for me. Three games in a row where he's played sub-20 minutes. Yeah. And he's shot 14%, 50%, and 20% from the field. That's not going to keep him on the court for uh, Tom okay. Thibodeau. All right, need to drop one in a nine cat league. Nas Reed, Keontae George, or Scoot Henderson. Hmm. Is it uh is it safe to say that um that I'm I'm out on Scoot in fantasy? Or is that overreactionary at this point? Uh I don't I don't think so. I mean, especially in a nine cat league when you got turnovers factored in. For me, it's it's either him or Keontae George. I would I would be a little more concerned about a, a potential second half scoot breakout where you would regret having dropped him with Keontae though. It, I mean, both of them are you know relatively high turnover players. Keontae George is shooting 34% from the field and he's taken a lot of shots. So that is, that is harming your field goal percentage pretty notably in in a category league. So that's something you have to consider. Um, to me, it's Keontae or scoot. I would, I would hold Nazarene, especially because he's probably center eligible. Yeah, I mean, the shooting percentages for Scoot Henderson are just, it it's hard to justify, especially if you're relying on that. Oh, no. I, I thought, I thought you, I think your video was frozen. I couldn't tell if you were just trying to hold yourself extremely still. <laughs> I'm, I'm, am I back? Am I here? It's so we're weird. Back. On my we're end, back. nothing we're is happening. Yeah, the, the internet has been, been, you know, scheming against us this entire episode, but we will, we will persevere as we always do. John Collins and Malcolm Brogdon or Pascal Siakam? I assume this is a, a two-for-one trade question. Hmm. Um, I think I'd rather have the Siakam side. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've already seen the best of Malcolm Brogdon this year. And and John Collins just doesn't really do it for me. So give me the give me the high upside of Pascal Siakam. He's put together some monster games over the last couple of weeks. Um, not trying to get rid of that. Okay, yeah, I, I think for right now, the value is on the, the Collins-Brogdon side. Like, those guys have combined to be more valuable than Siakam, but I think you're right. I think Siakam is starting to turn things around. It, it does look like, you know, the shot blocking is is just not going to come for him. Not that you ever expected to get two blocks out of Siakam, but he's just not doing anything there. The steals are way down as well. But he is a nightly 27-5, and five, which is, is super valuable. So, um, yeah, rest of the season, I'd, I'd probably take Siakam. Interesting one here, Keegan Murray or Chris Middleton. You got a slumping second-year three-point uh, specialist, or a guy in Middleton who we know we know who he is, but we also have no idea if he's ever going to play more than twenty-seven minutes for a week yeah. straight. 
Yeah, I, I'm. I'm going to fade the uh, the the injury bug here and the age with Chris Middleton. Give me Keegan Murray to at some point pop off and return to the form that he was at last year for a really good offense. Um, I, I'd be, I'd be surprised if at some point he doesn't come barreling back. Mm. Sell high or hold on Kobe White in PJ Washington. Um, I think you can sell high. Uh, well, I, I, I struggle with the Kobe White thing because I I really like him as a player, and they're clearly done with Zach Levine. He hasn't been playing as of late, and they're going to trade him at some point if they can find anybody to take him at a reasonable price. I think Kobe White's fantasy value could soar because of that. They're going to play much more uh, a team Billy Donovan-type basketball, so I'm a little hesitant on that because I think his best days could be in front of him, not behind him. And and PJ Washington is a, is a player that's always going to have a very solidified role uh, for Steve Clifford and the Charlotte Hornets. So I'm going to say hold on both of them. Yeah, I would rather sell PJ Washington, and he's always been a favorite of mine. You know, he's center eligible. Like I feel like I have him on on every team because you can just kind of get him for free at the end of a draft. And he, <laughs> excuse me, he has those weeks where he's grabbing a bunch of boards and hitting threes. Um, you know, even keeps a pretty good field goal percentage for somebody who takes a lot of threes. So I, I'm fine holding both of those guys. I, I have a hard time believing, you know, in a 12 team league that there are significantly better options on the waiver wire. Maybe there are, uh, but you, you said it on Kobe White. Like I would be terrified to drop him because I, I think yeah. I think they're trading Zach Levine. And you know, Alex and I talked about this a lot on Monday's pod. But there, there is a world in which you know they trade him and bring back. I don't know, D'Angelo Russell or something, you know, from the Lakers or a young guard that they want to get a look at. It's not a guarantee that Kobe White is locked into 35 minutes a night. But I think if they trade, especially if they trade DeRozan and Levine, I think that's pretty likely. So I, I think you're going to want to hold Kobe White. You, you probably got him at the way end of a draft. Maybe he wasn't even drafted in your league. And I think that's going to pay pretty major dividends the rest of the way. Giannis, Tyus Jones, and Mike Collins. Uh, I assume John Collins, Giannis, Giannis, Tyus, and Collins, or Laurie Marketing, Jalen Brunson, and Jared Allen. Ooh, um, yeah, the Mike Collins things throw me off a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> Tyus Jones, man, I watched him at the Amway Center a few nights back. They were in town for a back-to-back set. You talk about somebody completely lost in an offense. I mean, he just. It is, it's Kyle Kuzma ball. And then every once in a while, Jordan Poole just starts chucking up shots and he doesn't know what to do with himself. He just looks completely out of, out of place. I'm sure that he's looking back and saying that he wish he never left Memphis. Um, yeah, but I'm not giving up on Giannis though. I'm not, I'm not trading Giannis. It's, it's a fair deal, honestly, because it I is. think the, the, the next three best players in the trade are marketed Brunson and Allen. So I actually think you're getting a pretty decent deal here. Giannis in a points league, though, I mean, so, so tough to give up. I, I get that. Um, but I, I think there's a pretty strong case for the other side here, too. Um, it kind of depends what you need, what your situation is in that league. Uh, you know, if you're if you have Giannis now and you're in like ninth place and you're like, it's just not working. I would say I would say switch it up. You know, this is I almost view this as like a a two for three type of trade because you know between Tyus and Collins, you never really know what you're going to get week to week. Whereas Marketed Brunson, Jared Allen, those guys are way more consistent. Yeah, and Brunson, you know you're going to get you know you're going to get that usage from Brunson. Leads the league with eight point two minutes of possession time 
per game. There's not a lot of guys that are gonna that are gonna give you that. So I I, I agree with Nick in the sense that it really depends on where you are in the standings. But if mm-hmm. if my team's doing well right now, I'm keeping Giannis. Yeah, good point. Good nugget on that that Brunson stat, by the way. Let's see. We got a question from Cow Chad TTV. How much panic for Pistons not named Cade rest of season? Is this massive hit everyone is taking purely Bogdan Bogdanovich's return? Um, coaching? Are they just the Cleveland Browns or the NBA drafting bad players? That uh, all, all of the above is very possible. Yeah, um, you know, the, the return of Bojan has gone about as expected. You know, I, I I still don't really know what what they're thinking because the Detroit Pistons don't operate on logic like some other franchises do. So is it a trade audition for Bogdanovich or is he just going to play 30 minutes a night? Neither of those would really surprise me. You can't trust them night to night. You know, Jay Nivey will, will have a week where he plays 12 minutes off the bench and then he's starting and playing 28 minutes. They're slashing Asar Thompson of all people's minutes. The one guy who's been like really good for them this year. They, they're just a mess, man. They're a complete mess. There's a reason that they've won four games in the last like 10 months. Yeah, uh, the Pistons are completely directionless. It's sad. This was a once proud franchise that has no idea what they want to yeah. be, who they want to build around. Uh, but still, when you look at Cade Cunningham's numbers, I mean, he's still putting up a decent stat line. So um, I think the panic on Cade Cunningham is a little bit overstated. But I understand if you want to get out of the Pistons business, I'm, I'm completely on board with that. Would you trade Aaron Gordon for Jabari Smith in a 10-team points league? Eh, maybe. 10-team league, I mean, you're talking bottom of your roster in a 10-teamer, right? I mean, these are guys that are probably not shifting your fortune one way or the other. I think I would, man. I I actually like what I've seen from Jabari Smith over the last couple of weeks. I mean, early on, it felt like, here we go again with him. But, you know, he's still still not giving you a ton outside of points and rebounds. You got to keep that in mind. But, you know, shooting over 55% from the field, over his last seven games, you know, he's taking more threes. He's getting to the line a bit more as well. Not that the percentages matter all that much in a points league, but I, th- I think I would chase the upside with Jabari Smith, p- partially because, you know, like we said, it's probably your last spot, um, you know, in your starting lineup or, or maybe even a bench spot. So I'd rather I'd rather play with some upside there. Right. Yeah, there's still a chance that he explodes into a different level of player. Aaron Gordon is extremely comfortable and solidified in being the defensive stopper for the Nuggets. If you absolutely have to get a bucket, it's mostly it's mostly put back opportunities for Aaron Gordon. They have enough guys that can score the basketball where he can go games where he's just simply not involved. And and that's not a discredit to him. Uh, The fact that he's settled into a spot in his NBA career where he doesn't feel like he needs to score to be valuable a lot of guys really find out find it very difficult to ever get to that point mentally but yeah with Jabari Smith I'll be honest completely pessimistic to start the year I thought here we go there's not enough balls to go around but I actually really am buying into what I'm I'm uh, Udoka is uh, doing over there and Jabari Smith seems to be settling into a much more comfortable role all right Admiral Nita asks are Ben Simmons Wendell Carter Jr. and Chris Middleton by lows right now. I think I would qualify all of them into that category. I'm not sure that I want to buy them, but they're yeah. definitely in the buy low category. Low. Uh yeah, I would I, I think Wendell Carter absolutely a buy low for me. You know, he was out there in I think it's a, one of the a 16 team league that I'm in. And I'm like that you know, for a player like that to to be out there Right now, like I get, you know, it's been frustrating. He's been hurt for a while, but 
yeah, especially if you're in a deeper format, I, I think, you know, he's somebody that's going to be valuable. Middleton, it, it's just kind of, you know, what are you expecting versus what do you have to give up? You know, you probably have to trade for him. If you could, if you could give up a relatively low upside player, you know, I don't know if you could do like Tyus Jones for Chris Middleton. I, I think I would, I would consider that, you know, even, even if Middleton plays 27 to 29 minutes, most nights, the rest of the way, like he's still giving you what, like 13, six and six, and uh, maybe not six to six, six and four without looking, but he's still a good player. Like he's been fine. It's just, you know, like if you, if you look at his per 36, he's kind of right where he's been for the last couple of years. It's not a, I'm not convinced that he's like that diminished of a player. I think they're just being really, really careful with his workload and rightfully so because his, absolutely his, you know lower body is an issue yeah i mean their the, their goal isn't to be uh the top seed 25 games into the season they've they've got bigger aspirations than that so and and he's somebody who's dealt with injuries so they're gonna play it safe with him mm-hmm. wendell carter jr i still have no idea when he's coming back but i can tell you that i know that he's working his way back so it should be sooner rather than later and good luck guessing on ben simmons Ryan Duncan asks, should I trade Paul George and Anthony Edwards for SGA in a points league? Wow. Yeah, that that's seems a like lot too much to give up. That's too much. Yeah. That's a little I mean, I I want to have SGA on my squad, but uh that's that's a little that's a little too rich for me as well. Yeah, I mean that's two that's like two top twenty five guys that you're giving up. And I know SGA is a number one guy, so there's there's a case that Maybe it is worth it. Um, Do you think it depends I, on how big the league is? Is there a size of league where you'd be more comfortable with this? Not necessarily. I don't know. I mean, if it's, yeah, I guess in, in like a, a much shallower league, then, you know, theoretically, if you if you hit on some of your early picks, you might have some other stars to fall back on. That's possible. Like if you had a loaded, I, if, you, if you had a 10-team league and your team is sort of loaded? Yeah, right. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think especially when you're not really worried about the field goal percentage, because that's part of the reason that SGA has been so awesome, especially in category leagues is he's not only giving you 36 and six with two and a half steals, which is outrageous, but he's also shooting 54% from the field, 94% at the line. I mean, he's, he's having a, like a Jokic level dominant number one overall player season. Um, But in, in points leagues, those percentages don't really help you as much. So I don't, I, I just don't think the combined value of those two is worth it. Um, you know, if you're just kind of adding up, like, you know, what is, what is the raw production for these two players versus SGA? I feel like it's going to be quite a bit higher. You know, if you say four games a week for each of them, Edwards plus George to me is is more valuable than SGA. Absolutely, I I I think if and if you're uh, in terms of Ryan who asked that question, if you're going through that process where you really want to pull the trigger on that, you've got to look at who's on your bench. Do you feel so confident about who you're inserting into your lineup now that you're taking somebody off of it to where that trade makes sense? So I think it's it's very roster dependent, but I'm with Nick. I think it's a little too rich. All right, we'll hit uh, four or five more of these, and we got to be out of here. Uh, let's see. Well, sure. Dennis asks, Aldama or Suggs? I mean, come on. I'm not going against my guy. Jalen Suggs has been playing great. I don't, when is Markel Fultz coming back? That's the question. Because if this thing, if this knee issue is just going to be something that dogs him the entire year, which I'm starting to think it might be, then to me, it's clearly Suggs. Yeah, here's the thing. I'm not sure that it changes Jalen Suggs' stat projection all that much. Uh, Markel Fultz is going to primarily be a distributor in the offense and and not a whole lot else more. 
Uh, what Jalen Suggs is giving you is a whole lot of defense, and that's not going away. Um, and his three-point shooting has been a lot better. Markel Fultz isn't coming back and stealing threes from Jalen Suggs. So as long as that three-point shooting stays up, we know the defense is going to stay there. This guy is is um, I mean, he's angling for a new contract, so he's you're getting him in that sort of that peak motivation uh, portion of his career. Definitely not moving off of him. I think if you got him on your roster, what a steal in fantasy. I didn't see it coming at the start of the year. Did I freeze again? Um, so we have a follow-up on the SGA trade question uh, for Brian. So he says, you know, Paul George, an ad for SGA, and he'd possibly uh, you know, be getting Pirtle as well in the deal, which is a nice little sweetener. 10-team points league. He has Ja Morant coming back. And Simon's coming back. My God, this team is going to be loaded. And wanting to upgrade to get another 50-point-per-night player. Yeah, in that case, I mean, I'm not going to tell you to not go get SGA. I just think you might be able to do it for less. I mean, Paul George and Anthony Edwards are two big, big-timers, right? And, you know, I don't, maybe you think Paul George is going to get hurt. History would suggest he will. In that case, you know, then then it becomes much more worth it. I would just see if you could do one of those guys and then, another. you know, even offer, like, Offer like John Morant and Paul George or John Morant and Anthony Edwards, um, you know, Simon's uh, possibly. I just I wouldn't want to give up both of those guys. Yeah, but I'm, I appreciate the uh, the added context because I think that's exactly why you make a move like that. It, it does make a lot more sense now. All right. Got to drop one lively or Nas Reed. Yeah, I don't want to drop uh, Derek Lively. I, I think this Dallas team. I mean, what they did the other night was just insane. Yeah. The 30-point run, even though they lost, I'm still – I'm going to end up backing the Dallas Mavericks tonight just off of um, just sheer respect for their ability to do that. But Derek Lively, I love what he's brought to this team, and um, I'm, not, I'm not willing to move off of him. Mm -hmm. Kawhi or Siakam in a nine-category league? Uh, our question asker would be trading Kawhi for Siakam in this situation. I think I'd rather have uh, I think I'd rather have Kawhi. Uh, their point totals are similar enough, and I would expect Kawhi Leonard's defensive stats to uptick. They've been a little bit down, but yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd rather have Kawhi. They're really similar players statistically. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Excuse me. I would probably I would probably take Siakam just for the security. Although Kawhi's been, he's been healthy. Like it feels like it, one of the nice surprises this season so far is that load management has just not really been a topic like at all, especially compared to last year. And, you know, Kawhi is, is the front center uh, player when it comes to that. So maybe that changes as the year goes along. Kawhi's obviously the better fantasy player right now. It's just a matter of, you know, what's his game count going to be versus Siakam. But yeah, I think, you just don't want to get suckered in on Kawhi, you know, because you always feel like that injury is coming or that mysterious, you know, uh, his knees start to act up and he's in and out. Um, so if you're if you're doing well in your league and you want to, you know, add some security, I would go Siakam. I just traded Marketing and Brooke Lopez for Lillard and Nurkic. Is this a win or a loss? I, I'd say it's about a wash. I I'd probably rather have Marketing and Lopez. Mm, yeah, I would agree. Uh, Damian Lillard starting to really turn it on uh, and his yeah, numbers he, over the last 10 games have been tremendous. Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not like a, a major, 
major L here. Um, but I, yeah, eh, I don't know. It's close. I, I just think, I think if I'm ranking these players in order, Lillard one, Markkanen two, Lopez three, Nurkic four. So, you know, you yeah. got the best player and the worst player in the deal. You gave up two and three. I, th- I think usually that's fine. It's just, the, the question is how big is the gap between Lillard and Markkanen at the end of the season? Like, can Lillard, can he climb up to being like the eighth best fantasy player in category leagues? If so, then you probably won the trade. Yeah. Well, if it helps, uh, Markkanen's out tonight. So, makes you feel a little better about it. All right. Yeah, we'd love to see that for the just, you know, absolute wagon of a Rotowire stake team for for your 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 host here. Um, that's the last thing we needed was marketing going down. And this has just been a, been a nightmare situation. Anyway, all right, we got one or two more in us here, Brandon. Uh, let's see. 12-team, 9-cat, punting rebounds in field goal percentage. Would you rather have Marcus Smart or Malik Beasley and Spencer Dinwiddie? So I think it's Smart versus Beasley and Dinwiddie. Oh, uh, man. I'm really not intrigued by any of them. Uh, Marcus Smart just hasn't been around. Um, and Dinwiddie has been so hot and cold. Um, I think I'd rather have Beasley and Dinwiddie. I think if you're not worried about field goal percentage, then, yeah, Dinwiddie especially becomes a lot more appealing. So that's the way I would lean as well. Uh, let's see. Should I trade my Carl Anthony Towns for Ingram? Uh, and then he follows up and says, a buddy of mine hates Ingram. <laughs> Just want to see if he's worth trading for my Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got to take advantage of these situations in fantasy leagues. If, if somebody Definitely. hates somebody, <laughs> make sure you target them. I would not trade Cat for Ingram. No, I, I would not do that. Um, I, I Cat's the much better fantasy player. I know there's been some health issues the last few years. I'm not too worried about that. I would I would keep cat every time. Yeah, you're just you're losing too many of the category, the key categories of fantasy in that regard. Uh they're close enough in points where it's sort of a wash there. Cat's a better rebounder. He's a better uh shot blocking artist, shoots a better field goal percentage, free throw percentage, three point percentage. He's just better across the board. Yeah, not, not much of a debate there for me either. Um, all right, we got to cut it off here. Good stuff, guys. Uh, appreciate all the questions in the chat, as always. Uh, please like, subscribe to our videos over at uh, YouTube slash Rotowire Fantasy Basketball. Check us out on Twitter as well. Uh, we will be doing these streams five days a week, all NBA season. Me and Brandon will be here 9.30 a.m. Central every Wednesday. I'll be with Alex Perutha on Monday afternoons. Uh, we have Rick Kamala. And Steve Alexander, they'll be hosting tomorrow. Uh, and then we do a waiver wire episode mid-morning every Friday as well to help you get set for the weekend. So check out all those shows. Like, subscribe on YouTube. Really helps us out. Uh, we appreciate, again, all the questions and all the interaction. Brandon, good chat with you, man. Uh, we'll talk again soon. And hopefully the Magic can keep this up. Uh, we need to start a new streak tonight. So keep your fingers crossed. See you, Nick. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 